Hello, friend. Welcome to Foundations, a series by Chrysalis Arts Ministries in which we talk about the foundations of our lives, the storms that threaten them, and what we can do to help with the vital process of healthy foundational personal development. My name is Stephen Brown. I am the founder of Chrysalis, and I will be your host today. I hope that this episode helps spark positive transformation for you in your life and through you to those around you. Now let's get started. Are you tired of feeling small, unworthy, empty, and unfulfilled? Today, we're going to take a first step towards changing that. I want you to close your eyes and picture yourself in a place that is totally safe, a place where you feel totally comfortable and you can relax and just be yourself, a place with healthy boundaries, a place where your dreams, your passions, your joys seem possible a place where you are loved and respected and supported, a place where you can be friends with people who are different than you. We call that a chrysalis. In nature, a chrysalis or cocoon is the protective shell that a caterpillar uses to stay safe while they transform into a butterfly or moth. It provides shelter from the storms of life while it undergoes its most vulnerable growth phase. As humans, we need our own version of a chrysalis, a safe, nurturing environment that allows and enables each of us to blossom and thrive and transform into the best version of ourselves. In the human sense, a chrysalis is full of goodness and light and freedom. It's clean, pure, free from toxins and parasites, and full of the things you need to grow. A human chrysalis is not the unhealthy coping mechanism people tend to withdraw into due to trauma or other things. That kind of false chrysalis stifles your emotions, stunting your growth and blocking you from healing. A true human chrysalis actually has the opposite effect, giving you the healthy confidence to open up and engage more, even though you may have been hurt in the past. It may initially feel strange to work on building your own chrysalis because it's a little bit countercultural here in America. But in the long run, it is so freeing and empowering, giving you the opportunity to become your best self and experience life in a really special way. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about the pieces and process of building a chrysalis for yourself, which is so vitally important for, to the process of building and maintaining a strong, healthy foundation that can withstand the storms of life. Then I'm going to get into some of what we do at Chrysalis Arts Ministries to build chrysalis experiences for our participants, including some basic principles you can use as a leader to help other people. Building and maintaining a human chrysalis requires healthy boundaries and communication and a lot of intentionality. We obviously can't control everything in our lives, but we do have choices that we make every day that can either help us to grow in safe, healthy ways, or we can make choices that leave us vulnerable and likely hurt our healthy development. One choice you can make is the entertainment you can consume. Is it the kind of entertainment that brings out the best in you? Or does it bring out your dark sides? Does it help you to view life and people better, to want to act better and be better and treat people better? Or does it have the opposite effect? The same principle applies with the people you allow into your life on social media, the people you follow, the stuff you choose to fill your feed with, is it good, uplifting, nurturing, and positive? Does it make you feel better about yourself and others, or does it make you feel worse? Does it develop, help you develop healthy, lasting relationships with people, or does it have the opposite effect? Does it bring out the best in you, or does it bring out the worst? Does it put bad thoughts and emotions into your mind? Do you find yourself opening up, expanding, breathing, 
finding more joy and peace and inspiration? Or do you find yourself shutting down, withdrawing, being overwhelmed and dried out and stretched? Do you limit your social media to a healthy number of friends and follows? Or do you allow so many people into your space that it becomes overwhelming, damaging your sense of self-worth and leaving you feeling more disconnected, more vulnerable, more exposed and more stressed out and stretched thin? What about your in-person social life? Do your friends bring out the best in you? Does being around them make you healthier and happier? Or does it lead down a darker road? Are you going to look back 10 years from now and be proud of the choices you're making today because of those relationships? Or are you going to look back with regret or even guilt or shame? What about your personal boundaries? Do you have clear standards, clear boundaries? And do you have the courage to stand up for them? Or do you allow people to trample all over you? Obviously, in some cases, truly, you may not have a choice. But in the cases where you do have a choice, are you fighting for your boundaries, for what you believe is healthy and right for you? Or are you allowing other people to pressure you into doing things that are toxic, destructive, and unhealthy, or things that you know are wrong? Are you choosing to put yourself into bad situations where you're likely to have that happen? Or are you choosing to avoid those bad situations and those people and engage instead in healthier communities and activities? For example, if you feel like you have to go to some sketchy party so people will like you, but you feel that it's the wrong decision, you'll have a choice to make. The easy choice is just to go to the party. Maybe it'll be fine, or maybe you'll deeply regret it. If you feel the right choice, the hard choice, is to not go to the party, you may regret it initially. You may feel judged for it by some people, but five to 10 years from now, nobody will remember that you weren't there and you can move on with your professional career and your personal relationships without the consequences of what happened at that party all those years before. The same thing is true with your relationships. You can choose to have relationships with people who treat you or others badly, people who have no respect for the feelings and boundaries of other people, or you can choose not to. In the short term, you may feel some loneliness and judgment for choosing to avoid getting involved with those people. But in the long run, you'll be better off. Toxic people have a way of destroying other people. If you make the easy choice and hang out with those people, you'll probably regret it later. Now, I'm sure you might be thinking that the chrysalis lifestyle requires a lot of sacrifice. To some extent, that is true. I recently heard somebody talk about how this kind of lifestyle may initially cause you to feel a sense of grief, of loss, because you're choosing to let go of an old identity and build a new one that you aren't yet familiar with. But I believe this choice is ultimately worth it. It's a choice that leads you away from things that will enslave you and degrade you and drag you down and into a new lifestyle of freedom and empowerment. Building a chrysalis in this judgmental world can be very hard, and it can certainly put you in some uncomfortable situations where you have to make tough choices. But in my experience, the tough choices are the ones worth fighting for. Choosing to move away from spending time with toxic people in situations is tough, but it's so worth it. Finding healthier alternatives might also be hard and lonely at times, but it too is ultimately worth it. Learning to love yourself in a healthy way and to practice good self-care is truly a wonderful thing. You will find that you don't need the validation of other people or circumstances to be happy or to have value. For example, in an unhealthy lifestyle, it's really easy to resort to people-pleasing in an attempt to find validation. 
But in a chrysalis lifestyle, you'll be able to let go of that need. Now, all of this starts with your basic daily habits. You can develop healthy daily habits or you can develop unhealthy ones. I say that even as someone who has had limited choices due to abuse, addiction, trauma, dysfunctional relationships, and chronic health problems. You do have choices you can make each and every day, even if it's just ones about your attitude and mindset. I love the acronym of the word HALT. It stands for hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. Pastor Charles Stanley uses it to illustrate the fact that we are more vulnerable in situations where we're exhausted, overly emotional, hungry, and isolated. Those are often the situations where we are most at risk of making bad decisions that we will regret later. So he recommends that people avoid certain things in those situations. For example, you might avoid going on the internet in that situation. Instead, you could watch an uplifting movie on the TV or read a good book or take a walk or talk to a good friend or really do something productive around the house or any number of other things. It's just one example of the kind of development process we need to go through in order to build a chrysalis for ourselves. We have to learn to recognize what is healthy for ourselves and what is not and what to do about it. This can get tricky when it comes to things we aren't sure about, the gray areas of life. There are many things that aren't clearly wrong or bad, but they might be very unhealthy for you specifically. For example, if there's somebody in your life who isn't necessarily a bad person and they seem to care about you, but they keep hurting you physically or verbally or emotionally, that's not healthy. Or for another example, maybe there are some big name movies or TV shows that people like and you feel pressured to like them too, but you know that they aren't healthy for you. These are areas where we have to learn how to stand up for ourselves, to set healthy boundaries, to communicate with people and advocate for ourselves and take action to get help if we need to. Lastly, your chrysalis should look like you. If you've ever seen the movie Encanto, the individual rooms of the family members are sort of like their chrysalises. Each person's room is a safe place that looks like them and is full of their own personality and the things they love. That's kind of like what our chrysalises should look like, what our lives should look like, our, our core everyday lives. As you get to know the real you, you will learn how to fill your chrysalis with things that make you happy and bring out the best in you and others. Those things may not be possessions, but they're more likely things that have a deeper impact. For example, one thing in my own personal chrysalis is helping others. It's such a joy getting to meet people, to listen to them, to encourage them, and to help them as best I can. As I have learned my way into building my own chrysalis, my space has gotten cleaner and healthier, which has given me more capacity to notice the people around me who need what I can give them. That's pretty special and it's a way, it's way more fulfilling than any possessions I own. I also love following accounts on social media like Good News Movement and Steve Hartman's On the Road series, both of which are focused on simple everyday true stories that are inspiring and heartwarming. That makes me happy to spend time on social media, even when I have anxiety or, or if I'm feeling overwhelmed with stressful or scary life things. My chrysalis is full of these kinds of things as well as beauty, light, truth, freedom, joy, love, singing and dancing, learning, creating, building, and discovering. My relationship with God is also a big part of my chrysalis. I love building that relationship with him and, and learning from him. 
I love praying for people and for my church and my community. I also love adventures. And big adventures could be great for sure, but I also love the little ones that I can find around me every day where I live. For example, we recently heard owls calling on a neighborhood for the first time. Or another day, we saw baby birds poking their heads out of a nest. Or another time, I met a wonderful elderly neighbor, and we became good friends. And I helped her clean up her overgrown yard, and we sang songs together. Even in my own house, I can have adventures, like reorganizing my room or creating something new on the computer. Some things I generally don't allow in my chrysalis are toxic people, unhealthy content in movies and TV shows, toxic or negative news sources, and various other things that bring out the worst in me and make life very dark and unpleasant. I also try to avoid things that may be addictive and lead me down that kind of road that I don't want to go down. Now, creating a chrysalis may sound hard, and it does involve some work and hard choices, but it's a really rewarding process, and it can be done by just about anyone. In my case, God helped me learn to build my own chrysalis when I was a young person, dealing with some pretty major storms in my life when I had very little control over my circumstances. I talked about that in the first episode of this podcast. I believe that you too can build a chrysalis for yourself, even amidst your own challenges. It's truly a process worth fighting for, and it's such an important part of building a strong foundation that can withstand the storms of life. Now, as the founder of Chrysalis Arts Ministries, I want to talk a little bit about the general principles I have learned as a leader for creating a chrysalis experience for our participants. Building a chrysalis experience for people starts at the very beginning. The way you make people feel when they first enter your program sets the tone for everything that is to follow. It's important for people to know relatively quickly that they are safe, that they can relax and feel comfortable being themselves, and they are welcome, valued, and respected. I find that it's important to be intentional about noticing who is present. Are they comfortable and connected, or are they awkwardly sitting or standing by themselves? If you aren't intentional about looking for these things, you'll miss people. If you can't personally do that, then maybe you, maybe you need to either adjust how you do things, or maybe you need to find somebody else who can fill that role for you. Once you identify people who need some extra attention, it's important to handle that the right way. Obviously, you don't want to ignore or mistreat people, but you also don't want to be creepy or overwhelming in your attention to them. Also, introverts and extroverts may value different things, but generally speaking, it's hard to go wrong with gentle, authentic kindness and interest. However, I often find that straightforward conversation can be awkward and uncomfortable for many people when they are brand new. What works well for us at Chrysalis Arts Ministries is to quickly get people involved in an activity that makes it very easy for them to forget about feeling awkward and uncomfortable, and which immediately bridges the divides between people. There are countless activities you can pick, and it's important to start with ones that are super simple, but also require active participation. When I was in college, I learned some great ones from my acting teacher, Liz. One activity that I'll often start with for my youth theater students is an activity for about 10 people, where they were all instructed to walk about the room and to be as neutral and natural as possible. I'll tell them to think of themselves as secret agents trying to blend into a crowd. I'll gently instruct them to let themselves relax, to breathe, to just walk and to try to avoid settling into any kind of robotic pattern, like simply walking in a circle. Once they get comfortable with that, I'll tell them as they're walking to silently decide one person they're going to keep in their sight at all times without letting them know they're being watched or followed, like they're an enemy agent or something. Once they master that, I'll have them keep two people in their sight while still staying calm, quiet, 
and neutral and avoiding patterns. Then they'll have to watch three people, then four, and so on, until they're trying to keep an eye on every other person in the room without falling into patterns or acting strange. It's a fun and virtually impossible challenge at that point. So we'll quickly back down to eight people, seven people, six people, and et cetera, and all the way back down to nobody and just normal walking. This is a very simple activity that involves no talking or active communication. It eliminates the hierarchies that can appear in other activities as it's a challenge solely against yourself. So you don't have the issues of the loudest or most outgoing or competitive people dominating and making everyone else feel uncomfortable or inferior. It helps participants to relax, to breathe, to be natural and neutral, calm and in control and focused. It helps them to let go of nervous behaviors that put up barriers, like crossing their arms or putting their hands in their pockets. It starts to shift their focus from themselves to the people around them, helping people to notice each other in a relatively safe, neutral way without direct eye contact or awkward conversation or judgment. It also starts to build a sort of teamwork of helping people learn to silently work together by noticing each other, following their cues, giving them adequate space and other such things. Best of all, it starts to shift things away from awkwardness and self-consciousness and towards a point of having fun together. After that activity, we'll get into a big circle and discuss it together. I ask the students what they noticed about it, how it made them feel, what made it hard or exciting or fun, and what tactics they used to overcome the challenges. This helps them to realize that this wasn't just a typical icebreaker, but instead was an active learning exercise that was kind of fun and different and easy for them to participate in at the same level as everyone else. This is the beginning of a chrysalis experience, developing trust and connection and common ground and gently melting down the walls around and between people and planting the seeds of a healthy, safe growth experience. After that activity, we may do something similarly simple, like standing in a circle and telling a story one word at a time. I'll instruct the students not to plan ahead what they might say, but simply to say the first word that comes to mind after the person next to them. The only rule is that the story has to be relatively appropriate for all ages. This activity often leads to a lot of laughter and occasionally some lasting inside jokes. Like the walking game, this one helps students to focus, to control themselves to some extent, to listen to each other, to not get too ahead of themselves or be in their heads too much, but simply to be present and engaged in the moment. It's another activity that most people can participate in on a level playing field, whether they have a lot of experience or are brand new. It's also relatively gentle and controlled and not too chaotic which is important for people who are still a little uncomfortable as they get to know each other. I usually find that I can get a group of 10 to 20 people to a really good place by the end of an hour or two of these kinds of activities. At that point, they usually all feel really comfortable. They have good body language. They're relaxed and smiling and laughing and working together. And there's a pretty healthy group dynamic in place. Once that's established and reaffirmed in subsequent days, it becomes very easy to build out the rest of the chrysalis and help every participant to blossom and thrive. From there, the process differs more from group to group, but generally it's a process of trust, communication, building relationships and healthy boundaries, encouraging and supporting each person, and working to help them grow, and constantly observing people and learning what they need to blossom and thrive. Now, obviously, the specifics of building a chrysalis may look different in other settings. A fast food restaurant chrysalis may look different than a corporate office chrysalis, but the general principles are the same. You have to be intentional about noticing people, noticing their body language, getting to know them and develop healthy relationships. And you have to integrate them into the group and the experience in a way that's very easy and gentle and safe, melting down walls and hierarchies, 
building bridges and common ground, and establishing a general level of listening, communicating, working together, and a culture of equality, kindness, respect, and equal participation and value. If you can achieve that and maintain it, you'll be well on your way to a chrysalis experience that will help your participants to blossom and thrive. Now that brings us to today's podcast challenge. I want to challenge you today to make a list of the regular daily choices you make that affect you and those that affect others and evaluate whether they contribute to a chrysalis or whether they leave people exposed and vulnerable or even damaged and in pain. Then make a second list with some simple basic steps you can work on to address those things. Just be sure to give yourself a lot of patience and grace. Shifting out of old unhealthy patterns and into new ones takes time. Learning to know yourself and love yourself in a healthy way takes time. Cleaning out the space that is your life and turning it into a chrysalis is a journey. One that's often hard, particularly in the beginning, but one that is ultimately wonderful. Just take it one step at a time. If you have a relationship with God, consider asking him for help. Now, finally, for our word of affirmation, I want to remind you that you are so special and you are worth fighting for. Build that chrysalis and discover the beautiful, powerful butterfly part of yourself that's longing to be set free. Enjoy the ride and good luck. Thank you for listening to Foundations. I would love to hear your foundation stories and the impact that the stories shared here are having in your life. You can submit voice memos to our Anchor podcast page, or you can email your stories to foundations at chrysalisartsministries.org. Check the description box on our podcast page for direct links. Have a wonderful day, and I'll look forward to speaking with you again on the next episode of Foundations. 